Usually we would get ready to introduce this podcast as the Coach K Podcast Spectacular, but uh, with the retirement of Coach Kessinger at the end of the 2021 football season, we must retire the name of the podcast Spectacular uh, unless we get written permission of Major League Baseball and Coach Kessinger continue on with the podcast spectacular name but it is my pleasure to introduce to you coach of the Ottawa University Braves football program Nick Davis to this yet unnamed podcast coach thank you for joining us happy holidays as uh, we get we're recording this just an eyelash shy of New Year's Eve Thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, we got to work on that name. Maybe we throw out some suggestions. Maybe we, we let the, the Twitter sphere, you know, vote. And, uh, you know, obviously we got to have some good suggestions, but maybe let the fans vote and see where it lies. You know, I don't care. I'm not a picky guy. Well, and you've got the cloud on Twitter. I mean, between the, the polls, the motivations, the, the best places to eat around here. I mean, your, your Twitter game is quite strong. And uh, I am, uh, Envious, maybe not the, the right word, but we're going to go with that. Envious. Well, it, it's a lot of hard work. And uh, I know you've been paying attention to all the good food places in Kansas, but I really had to step out of my comfort zone, go back to Cincinnati and do some skyline chili for my wife. I think she was really disappointed. I hadn't done any Cincinnati foods. Um, so I had to get away from barbecues and, and tacos and all the great food out here in Kansas. And uh, when we went back for the holidays, had to uh, shine some spotlight on Skyline Chili there in Cincinnati. We know that Cincinnati is known for the Skyline Chili. Name me something that people wouldn't think that that's underrated for Cincinnati food-wise. Grater's Ice Cream. So Grater's Ice Cream is a local ice cream chain there where it started in Cincinnati. They make all their ice cream in French uh, cream pots or something. Um, two gallons at a time, hand churned. But the biggest thing, what separates Grater's ice cream from any other place I've ever gone to, instead of you get a chocolate chip ice cream, it's really a chocolate chunk. All their chocolate is chunks of chocolate. Um, so it is by far the best ice cream I've ever had. And in fact, because of their popularity, now they're in uh, there's some in Indianapolis. They're all over Ohio. I think there's even some that stretch down to Florida for all the snowbirds that go down there that love them. Grater's ice cream. I think Grater's is the best food in Cincinnati over Skyline Chili, hands down. Well, as someone who is not a chili person, uh, I will, will thank you for the suggestion for the ice cream. Plus, when you throw out chunks of chocolate, not just chips of chocolate, now you're ringing my area code on that one. In fact, for the listeners, um, you can go to Price Chopper in Lenexa. I know for sure, um, but there's several locations in the Kansas City area and buy it from their grocery store. Now you're going to spend, Bob, anywhere from 5 to $7 for a pint. But when your wife really loves that ice cream, you'll spend whatever it takes, you know, because it's a nine-hour trip to Cincinnati um, to be able to purchase that ice cream. And what I found, is as I'm going through the ice cream after my wife has, that there's no more chunks in there, that she picks out the chunks and leaves the actual ice cream um, in the container. 
Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I would, I would say that maybe I would be guilty of possibly doing that. I mean, that's what I would do to Lucky Charms. Forget the oat goodness; it's marshmallows all the way. Sure. The season ends. We'll take a look back at, at with that, and then we're going to kind of talk about the evolution into becoming coach for Auto University, the head coach. Middle of the pack is what you could say for for Auto University, and especially. Um, on, the, on the defensive side, when you take a look at what Ottawa had done, just kind of middle of the pack. So for, for the first year of you being in at defensive coordinator, obviously num- you always want to be number one, but with what you had to work with, with the, the available talent, were you pleased with the end result uh, at the end of the year? Yeah, you know, from a, a defensive standpoint, Obviously, we had a lot of recognitions on, on All-American players uh, with the, the three guys kind of getting recognized as All-Americans, uh, Devin Johnson, Colby John- or Devin Johnston, uh, Colby Johnson, and Jacob Garcia. You know, those were all really good players at each level. And I just think there wasn't enough guys on our defense from last year to kind of meet and, and match their intensity. Now, I think the also biggest thing is with those three All-Americans, it's not like all three of those guys played lights out in 11 games for us. If that were the case, um, I think we may have had a little bit better defensively output. Um, probably one of my worst as a defensive coordinator's worst statistical seasons I ever had. Um, again, some of that starts off with uh, just not finishing on drives and, and different things like that trying to figure out these players, you know, coming into a, they did something completely different last year and just trying to figure out and find the right pieces to put in. We had some injury bugs along the way with our defensive line and some linebackers that had experience um, and then trying to figure out the right rotation for the secondary. So it was uh, an adjustment for me, but I think, you know, ultimately if you go back to it, you know, one of, the worst offensive seasons Coach Kessinger had had in a long while. You know, if you're not scoring a lot of points, it's going to be hard. Um, your defense is going to be out on the field. And I'm the first guy to say the defense can go three and out every drive. It doesn't matter what the offense can do. But I think our guys didn't necessarily respond if the offense went three and out. They went out there with their heads hung, especially early in the season. If you look at our stats from the first five games, Versus our last six, you're going to see a drastically different defense, uh, and you're going to see a different record too. Well, and the defense, I think a lot you mentioned that also is the forcing the turnovers, especially in that second half of the season. If I'm reading if what I've got correctly, 14 interceptions, 14 fumble recoveries, defense three defensive touchdowns, and I'm sure a lot of it played early on, not only just with the competition. But learning a new system and and trying to figure out where the pieces fit in, but to finish a season like that, that you know, those are some pretty decent numbers when it comes to forcing the turnovers and, and such. For sure. And I just think we gotta keep after it again. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but a lot of uh, national uh, I've done a lot of national podcasts about what our defense is. So I was coming into a, a new conference where I didn't know the coaches. If the coaches really wanted to put in the research to figure out what I have been successful and what we have done 
over the last seven years when I was at Rose Holman, it was very easy for those coaches to kind of go out and do those things. So I was behind probably the curve a little bit. Obviously, they had just had a whole spring season with their team, and I'm coming in installing a brand-new defense with Coach Coombs, who's a brand-new coach that I hadn't worked with before. Obviously, I had coached him here at Ottawa with new graduate assistants. So, it, uh, you know, I definitely think even though we're losing three All-Americans, we're going to get better because we're bringing back a whole entire defense that knows what's going on for next season. One of the stats that I I look at, that I've been looking at, and I want you to tell me how you feel. Uh, Ottawa was the top of the conference in tackles per game, averaging just shy of 75 a game. Would you want that number to be lower, or is it the higher that that you like, or do you want something in between? I What shows success and what shows uh, that maybe there's issues? Yeah, no, I'd like actually there would be a statistic where if the tackle is over five yards, you know, you have your tackles, you have your tackles for loss. I'd like a tackle for gain stat that is tackles that are over five yards uh, because, you know, you may end up with 100 tackles as an individual player, but, you know, Generally, when you go look at those statistical champions over who had the most tackles on a season, it's generally a guy that plays for a team that has one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. And and Colby was a great football player and an awesome linebacker. But our rush defense wasn't necessarily great. And I'm glad he made those 100 tackles that he had, 100-plus tackles, because if he wasn't, then maybe our our secondary wouldn't have. Um, But – when our defense at at Rose had been the most successful, our leading tackler had 65 to 70 tackles. And we had, you know, a few of those guys in the 60 ranges and then a bunch of guys in the forties and fifties, because we weren't necessarily having to make tackles because half the plays were incomplete passes. Um, We were getting tackles for loss and it was more spread out versus one guy have to make all the plays. One of the stats that I take that I'm also looking at and I think and this is just not a defensive side of the ball it's it's everybody on the team but penalties were were a real issue uh with this team this year uh, most penalties in the conference 91 total penalties aver- averaging 8.3 a game tied with St. Mary uh and then 82, almost 83 yards of penalties in, in, uh, on average in a game. Uh, that also is something that makes it difficult, whether you're often on offense or defense to be successful. Yeah. I mean, it's hidden yardage that if you're getting outgained on penalties alone, um, by 40, 50 yards in a game, that's tough to overcome. Not to mention the amount of penalties that are costing that other team easy first downs where they can keep their drive going there there's so many times that we could have been off the field on defense that we had a penalty there's so many times that you know we were first in 10 and we get a penalty and we're first in 25 which is going to be tough I mean it's hard to get 10 yards in college football uh, in four downs and we're asking to get 25 sometimes so it's very difficult and the game of football to me is about being consistent on offense and then trying to be consistently, you know, pretty good on defense. And it's about stringing one, two, three, four plays in a row, not necessarily just being explosive, getting a touchdown or being able to take the ball. You can't always 
rely on that because a good team is going to take care of the football or they're going to protect, you know, against huge explosion plays. Now that the season is over, what one thing do you wish you would have known at the start of the season that you know now? I think the biggest thing is I just wish I would have had more time to get to know all the players and have all the players kind of get to know me, not only on defense, but to get to know them, um, the offensive players, to know them a little bit more, because I think we could have created a little trust factor. Again, if you look at the last six games of the season, we played a lot more better as a whole team. We played a lot better on defense, but I think the players trusted me a lot more the last six weeks of the season because they knew me for five weeks versus, hey, the first one, two, or three weeks of the season when this was all new and things weren't necessarily going great. There may have been not as much buy-in as what we had, you know, as soon as things started going well, which was that second half of the season. What surprised you in your first year as a defensive coordinator, as you look back to everything in the season? I think the biggest surprise to me was just the amount of uh, coming from play, uh, coaching at the Division three level, the amount of size difference between some of the players. You know, the, the players were a little bigger, a little taller, a little faster. Um, and then, I mean, there's some players, too, that are very similar to the players that I saw at the Division three level. Um, but it was just across the board. It's just a little deeper. And and I tell my friends this all the time. There's Division three players that can play D1. There's NAI players that can play Division one. There's Division two players that can play D1. I think the biggest difference is when you're at Alabama. They got a hundred guys that can play D1 when you're at Pitt state, maybe there's, you know, and I don't want to talk out of term, but maybe there's 20 some guys on the team. When you're at Ottawa, maybe there's 10 guys when you're at a division three program, maybe there's four or five guys that could play at that level. So I just think there was more talented players that could play at the next level. Um, that surprised me. And it doesn't, I'd been here and I'd seen that 10 years ago, but I think that's the biggest surprise from the last 10 years of me coaching at a different school. So the, the season ends and uh, obviously disappointing four and six, every, you know, everyone wants to be the conference champion in that, but uh, I mean, take a look at that big beginning part of the schedule. It wasn't like uh, you guys were going against little sisters of the poor to start out the, the conference season. The teams you were playing, Southwestern, Avila, Bethel, three out of the first five. So, and, and, and it's no excuses. You want to beat them. You got to beat those teams. Do you like having that tough competition right out of the box? Or do you like to try to ease your way in and maybe get a little bit of confidence before you get a, a, a big test of like a Southwestern or Avila or Kansas Wesleyan? I mean, I think, Bob, it's based on the type of team you have. You know, we had very uh, relatively not experienced within our quarterback situation. We had some inexperience on defense in different positions that if you throw those guys into the fire versus veteran programs, you're probably not going to be in a good situation. Again, we strung a bunch of losses in a row together, and there was that doubt that was kind of creeps into your program. And it takes being able to string some wins together, get that confidence going. Um, so I think it's different years. You know, if we had a veteran club, man, I think you want to play all those hard teams early on because maybe you have more experience on them. 
if you have a young club, it's going to be tough if you're playing those veteran ball clubs. And we were talking about it as a coaching staff the other day, the two teams that went to the playoffs from the KCAC, you know, we're beating both of those teams at some point during those games. So we're good enough to play with those guys. It's just stringing enough players together to finish against those teams at the top level. You know, outside of Bethel, who beat us pretty handily, every other game, if one thing happens, you know, and it's the as-if game that every coach plays, but I would rather play that game than being handled in the, the six losses that we had. You know, in five of those losses, we had legitimate chances to be able to come out with a victory, which is every coach you want to go into the game and you want to have a chance to win the game. And in my mind, I think we had about of our 11 games, 10 chances. And we just capitalized on five of those. So now season's over and everyone wants everyone more than once. It's, it's time to go out, start recruiting and start getting some things together for the next season and then all of a sudden coach k retires so how far in advance did you all know that this was a possibility yeah he brought us uh kind of the full-time assistant coaches the coordinators me coach mendez and coach coombs into his office and uh told us a few weeks left in the season that uh he was going to retire at the end of the the season and he kind of didn't want the season to be about him and anything about him, which I think is super, you know, admirable for him. He didn't want guys to play their last game for him or any of that. He wanted senior day to be about senior day. He wanted the season to be over with. He wanted to make his announcement um, with the team, which was, I think, after coaching for 17 years and winning as many football games as he did and affecting as many people's lives as he did, I wish we could have sent him out in a better way. And, and we're trying to figure out um, something this spring with our spring football game and maybe partner with our, our women's flag football team and having a football family day um, in April to kind of celebrate all the things he did for the program because he deserves more than just a simple press release. Hey, I'm retiring. And, you know, he deserves more. So, We'd like to give him more, but we, we knew about a few weeks before the season. Once the, once word started to get out, what was the process for you in making a decision that you wanted to uh, put your hat in the ring to become head coach? And did you feel like that this was something that was attainable or did you feel like that? the university would maybe try to go outside and, and do something different. Yeah. Coach K when he had brought us in and, and told us that he was going to retire, he made it very adamant that he was stepping away because he felt that us three coaches were leaving. He was leaving the program in great hands and he went and had told administration and all those sort of things that this is the core group that's going to get it going. Um, he had probably prepared, you know, us for this for a long time, obviously Coach Mendez and Coach Coombs played for him. They they had coached. Um, I had coached with him. You know, we're, we're going to the coordinator or the Kent Kessinger show um, and, and doing the, the live broadcast and different things throughout the season. So I think even though he hadn't told us, he was preparing us three guys to be able to take over this program. 
And it's not necessarily at the end of the day. Yes. I got named the head coach, but it is important to me that me, coach Mendez, coach Coombs and our newly hired, you know, co-offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, that we're doing this together. It's not my vision. It's not, you know, we're going to do the exact thing coach Kessinger did. It is what do we need to do us four core members? What does our team want? How can we be successful? It, it is a we thing. And I think everyone on our staff currently is brought into that. No one's, you know, Hey, mad that I, I got the job. It's everyone is in it to make sure that we are the best program. Is it true that it came down to a rock, paper, scissors matchup between you and coach Mendez? It was more Indian leg wrestling, Bob. And I have experience as a two-time junior national champ in Indian leg wrestling. That is some impressive credentials right there that, that does earn you the title of head coach. That's, that is very impressive. Um, would, what level of black belt would you say? Well, you know, just triple ultra black, I think is the Indian leg wrestling type belt. Indian uh, leg wrestling. I feel like it's more of a, a belt buckle type competition versus a, a black. The second place get like antler furniture or something along those lines. Well, Indian leg wrestling is big on. If you lose, you get nothing. Oh, you know, okay. there's a patient trophy in Indian leg wrestling. One of the last few sports that don't God bless them for not having that. Uh, so were you surprised that you were named and how did you find out that you were becoming uh, the next head coach of the Ottawa university Braves? Um, you know, I, I don't know if surprise is the right word. I was very fortunate that I was in the right situation. A lot of times you find out about these, you know, how a guy ends up as a head coach, it's the right situation, the right timing. There's, there's plenty of people across the nation that have, you know, per se, a better resume, um, but maybe they weren't necessarily the best fit for what we needed here at this institution, uh, nor were they currently employed, which makes things a little easier um, to allow, you know, what the roster looks like, retaining students, how, how we've done scholarshiping. You know, what's the great things we've done? What is the things we need to improve on? So I don't think I was surprised. It was, I'm very fortunate that I got this situation presented. Uh, me and my wife were super excited about it. And we just have a lot of energy going forward that this, you know, it worked out. Good things work out to good people. And uh, we're going to pay it forward with how we treat our players, how we treat the staff and uh, try to make an impact here at Ottawa. Man, I was going to throw in a witty comment, putting myself down, but I pulled back. I retracted, retracted about that one. So uh, we'll, we'll carry on. We'll carry on from here. So you got your named uh, word gets out. Did you right away meet with the, the team to discuss things, kind of get their feelings about everything? Yeah. So, uh, Coach K announced his retirement, and within that meeting, our athletic director actually then announced that I was going to be the head coach. We didn't want any press release to kind of go out on the same day as Coach Kassinger because we wanted that out of respect to kind of have his day. Um, and uh, then uh, they obviously did the, the Twitter live uh, announcement, press release, uh, media day, 
and uh, in our in our press box that uh, way better set up, Bob, than 10 years ago when I was here. So you're a pretty fortunate man. And we did that. And then it was get right to work. A lot of other staffs across the country were going out to all these high schools and we stayed and coach Mendez met with every offensive player. Coach Coombs met with every defensive player. And I met with every player on our team just to figure out, I asked them what we do well, what we can do better at, what kind of questions. And because I love food, Bob, and it was think around Thanksgiving, what their favorite Thanksgiving food was, what their favorite, you know, dessert. Uh, Cause I was trying to get a sense of where these kids all come from, what the culture, you know, that they've, been brought up in you know we had lots of guys that like pecan pie uh we had 50 50 on cool whip and whipped cream um certain guys like the the real stuff some guys like the imitation um a lot of guys like mac and cheese so it was really about getting to know those guys to make them feel comfortable that hey coach davis was you know this high energy defensive coach but it was really important for me to get to know the offensive guys a lot better um to you know ease in their mind that, hey, this was a good decision for the university and hoping to make sure that those guys carried on with our program. And it was really cool because the foundation we're going to build with our program, uh, family accountability and mindset, was really created within those meetings from what the players thought we did a great job with, what the players thought we could do a better job with, um, and then what we the players thought we could improve upon and that's kind of laid our core values of what we wanted it's not what i wanted it's what our players wanted what our players have craved for what our coaches have craved for and uh it's kind of go for knowing that this is something more than me it is we have created this we want to do this we want to get better uh, yes broadcasting out of the old press box and Oh yeah. Those were the days. Miss those days. So, uh, absolutely miss, miss the, those days. Um, who am I kidding? No, I don't. Uh, so what was the response from your players? Do you, do you feel, um, that they welcomed you and, and, and was a mainly positive response? Well, uh, I, I kind of, uh, I guess, set myself up for some success. The meeting had to start with either a high five, a handshake, or excuse me, a high five, a fist bump, or a hug. So there was some instant, you know, high energy to kind of start each meeting. And you'd be surprised, Bob, how many of these young men actually needed a hug and then said, coach, hey, man, I needed that with finals coming up and, and going home. So um, I was surprised. And you know, I was feeding off of them and it was really not me talking a bunch. It was me just listening to the guys about what their goals were, what they want to, when they're done with here, how could I help them? Um, again, what are, what are they like? What are they not like? Um, what are their goals for next season? You know, it wasn't me telling them what I wanted to do. It was, what do you think we need to do? And just get to know the guys and, and have them feel like I'm there to listen to any of their concerns, thoughts, um, and, and be there. And, you know, as the head coach now, you got to take in, you know, those 110 concerns from the players and the six or seven concerns from the coaches and the coaches' wives. And you got to take that all into consideration. And then you got to make the right decision for your organization, for your team, which you think best benefits. You're not always going to be the most popular guy. 
I always say everyone hates their head coach at some point. Um, you just hope that, you know, during the season that you hated him, um, that at the end you realize that he meant what's best for you and he, you know, got you to become a better football player, a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better dog dad, whatever it is that they got the most out of you. What was the one response that you received that, um, or maybe was there a common theme from your players when it, throughout the, the process of talking with them? Yeah, I just think, you know, the, the defensive guys were obviously awesome. I was so excited about the responses of the offensive players um, that they were excited. Um, again, they knew me as the defensive coordinator. They knew me as the guy with some high energy trying to give high five and fist bumps. But I had so many positive reactions on young offensive players that said their favorite part of practice is when they got to come and go against Jacob Garcia, the All-American, and, and Colby and, and Devin Johnson. And that was their favorite part of practice. And it wasn't because they were dominating those guys. They were a lot of times getting their butt kicked by them. But they said that they had just had a lot of fun. And it brought in the fact that this game, again, everybody wants to win. But at the end of the day, it's about coming to Ottawa you're going to spend more money than what you do go to Kansas or Kansas state. It's about having a great experience. And I want to win a lot of football games and we're the third winningest football program of all time. But my goal for these players is they have a great experience out on the football field, whether they play zero snaps or they're an all American, they have a great experience in the classroom and they have a great experience in the residential halls. So now you've had your meetings, you you've talked with your coordinators, by the way, you mentioned a new a uh, member of the coaching staff, but did not provide a name. Is this something we can, we can divulge or is this something that's uh, a player to be named later? Well, it is a player to be named later when the press release gets released, Bob, but maybe off the air, I can tell you who it is. I don't want to ruin the university's press release. I very understand. It would be kept under lock and key. Plus, I mean, when no one likes you, you don't have anyone to talk to. So you're safe. Don't worry about that. I'm just a fatty broadcaster. Who would I talk to? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the the university's uh, big press release. I I got you. I I uh, <laughs> completely understand and respect that. I I would not want to do that either. I, in, in all honesty, uh, so you talked about kind of doing everything as a collective and and having a shared vision is there something out of these meetings and talking with the coaching staff that would that is going to be a carryover from coach Kessinger that will continue on yeah no what I think uh, you know I talked to the 80 returning players and 65 of them said the reason they came to Ottawa was the family atmosphere and that's something coach Kessinger built for the last 17 years um, so I think we can only do a good job of trying to continue to strengthen that. Um, the only reason Coach Mendez is here is because of Coach Kessinger. The only reason I am here is because of Coach Kessinger. The only reason Coach Coombs is here is because of Coach Kessinger. The only reason all of our football players are here. So everyone in our family currently, besides the new offensive, co-offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, is here because of Coach Kessinger. And everyone agreed, you know, 65 of the 80, 
was the reason they came here. Now I asked those guys, why do they want to graduate from Ottawa? And those 75 of the 80 guys said the reason they want to graduate Ottawa, you know, and, and finish up their career was that family atmosphere. Um, five guys said their credits weren't going to transfer, um, which I thought was pretty comical. Um, but I uh, asked them if, you know, family atmosphere was important to them. And they did say that. So almost all 80 agreed the reason, you know, they want to stay here and they want to graduate is that family. And that's something that he did a phenomenal job doing that it's up to me and, and our family of, of coaches and our players to build on that and strengthen that and even get better. We can get better because there's freshman defensive backs that don't know what the favorite food of a senior offense lineman is. And just little small things that we can always constantly get better at building relationships. And I think that's key because you never know what's going to happen 35 years down the line that that freshman defensive back may be the CEO of a company and that senior O-lineman, you know, needs to be able to work for him. Well, they should have built a really good relationship where they're on campus. So we can always strive to get better at that. So that is something that is by far, that is something that's going to stay. We're going to heighten it. You know, the, the family flag we run out with, like, you know, that's going to be a huge part of what we're going to do. Now, this next question is going to probably be taken out of context by internet trolls or anybody who uh, listens just to, to stir the pot. But is there something that you would like to do different than maybe what Coach K has done throughout his illustrious career at Ottawa University? And I, even as far as are we, are we going to see a little less run and gun? Are we going to see maybe something different? Uh, in different style. It, it, I'll let you answer that in, in, in the best, probably in the, the best Julian Mendez way possible, but I've got to throw this out there. And, and, and again, the asterisk is, you know, internet trolls are going to want to try to maybe take it a certain way. This is not to be a slight against anyone, but obviously there's going to be different personalities, different mentalities. So, uh, so the floor is yours. Well, one thing, Bob, is there may be less timeouts in the first quarter to windy and windy football games. As a defensive coach, I may not take as many times timeouts as you've seen over the last 17 years um, in windy football games first quarter. And I may take more. I don't know. Well, well, we'll have to find that out. You know, I think we, me and Coach K have different styles. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference is I'm young, energetic, and I and he was doing those things I know 17 years ago. Um, being at one place for 17 years, you kind of get in that routine, and I think you kind of lose your your luster. I'm full of energy, young. He actually became the head coach here when he was uh, 35 years old. Um, I'm going to be 35 years old next October, so um, I feel like I'm in a similar spot. And you probably know better because you knew the man when he came in, but uh, you know. Uh, you can think of me of a young coach K. Um, and, uh, I think that'll be kind of the biggest difference is just the fact that the, Hey, the head coach is a defensive coach. Now, um, we may not go for it as much on fourth down in situations. People might have thought coach K was going to do. Um, and, uh, I mean, the biggest thing is that I think we've already talked about as an offensive staff is we want to use our personnel the best we can. I don't care if we run it 65 times or we throw it 65 times, if that's the best thing to win. Um, I want those offensive coaches to do those sort of things. 
Um, we don't necessarily have to throw it 75. You know, I'm not going to get mad if we throw it four times and win by 30. Um, I think Coach K may, over his 17 years, have got upset a few times if he only threw it four times in a game. But ultimately, we want to win, and that's something that is both what Coach Kessinger and Coach me have in common is we want to win football games. And uh, I know he's staying on at Ottawa to be a teacher. He's going to be our biggest supporter. He's going to be the guy in the, the stands that when everyone's like, what is Coach Davis doing? He's going to be like, oh, I actually understand what he's doing because I've been in his shoes. Or will he be the one throwing paper at you or something? But I, who knows? You never know. I, I mean, I think it's a come call the games with you, Bob. Oh, now see, there we're now we're we're getting into a Madden Summerall type thing <laughs> here, and um, just yeah, yeah, I, that that might ooh, there might be an idea. We'll just put that in the back pocket and and run with it. <laughs> uh, you've been super gracious with your time, and I appreciate that. Real quick, um, obviously not going to announce anything yet until signing day but seems to be a lot of excitement on the recruiting side with uh, some players. And and, uh, would it be fair to say that there's going to be some players coming in that can uh, maybe make an impact right away? For sure. I think we have uh, 21 commits right now, Bob, really from coast to coast. We got guys from California um, to South Carolina. We got them as far as uh, down South as Texas and as high up North is, uh, I think right now we got uh, some Northeast guys. So uh, we're pretty excited about what we got going on. I look forward to the announcements for signing. Uh, and that's probably going to be right around. Maybe we'll do our, do the next, uh, next podcast is uh, after signing day to kind of discuss some of these uh, young men that will be coming in to, to help uh, the Ottawa University Braves football program. and. Uh, so let's see. Signing day is still in the early February. part of February. Yep. So nothing has changed on that. Uh, so uh, maybe maybe about a week or so out after that, we'll we'll get together. Maybe we'll have a podcast name at that point in time. Uh, and uh, and who knows? It, it, it's it's a new it, it's a new stratosphere. It's a new a new adventure. Now that uh, with the changing of the guard and uh, I appreciate you taking time out. I know I saved you from a target visit and I was very happy to do my part to keep you out of target. Um, but uh, yeah, well, this is, this is exciting and, and really a lot of positivity and, and excitement around the program right now. And we appreciate, you know, me, my, you know, my family of coaches, the, the family of players, we appreciate everything you've done for Ottawa football and we appreciate that you're not only, you know, a great supporter, but you're willing to ask the tough questions for the coaches and the players and be non-biased. But at the end of the day, you know, putting on a division one experience for our kids and uh, doing a great job of it. Well, thank you. Those are very kind words. I appreciate that. I also want to make an apology to, uh, Coach Davis's mother for not interviewing Coach Davis after the, the ball games. Um, unfortunately, he was on the, the sidelines and not coming. I, I promise there will be plenty of interviews, podcasts, coaches' shows. 
I mean, we're going to need, we're going to have new people. We're going to have to say hi to during the coaches show. And that might be the, the first one out of the box. So, so Mrs. Davis, my heart, <laughs> heartfelt apologies. Uh, and, and we'll look to make things right as we go along here. I appreciate that. And she's listening in central Illinois. So she's going to get a kick out of that. And, uh, She'll be excited after games. Uh, hopefully, we it's a, a first win coming out of the gate, and uh, we get to go up to the, the press box and, and talk about the victory. Looking forward to that, Coach. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, and congratulations uh, on becoming the, the new head coach for Ottawa University football. Thank you, and, and, and take care, Bob, and we'll see you next time. It's going to wrap it up for us this time. We appreciate you listening to us. Uh, However you're listening to us, whether it's YouTube or uh, the links are being shared through Twitter. I mean, there are about be like 500,000 people now that will be able to listen to this because uh, Coach Davis has the largest listening base in the NAIA uh, with Twitter followers. So I appreciate that. We'll reach the masses and we will talk to you again, like I said, shortly after signing day and kind of uh, get a, a primer of all the new signees. But until then. I'm Bob Johnson. Thank you for listening uh, to this yet unnamed podcast as we begin this new adventure with Coach Davis. Thanks again for joining us.